0: That uh, that sounds great. What a wonderful deal uh, and privilege, you know, to be able to be a, a part of something like that. Um, you know, I, what were those radios called that you used to carry on your shoulder? Boom boxes? Oh, they're not the Walkmans. All right. Uh, okay. All right. That's where I'm from. Actually, I don't even know if I'm from that, but uh, anyway, I don't know where I'm from, but... Uh, Hey, let me just say this before we begin. One other, one other thing to let you know: This is our tenth year as a church uh, uh, serving with uh, Willow Creek in Chicago and hosting what's really now a global leadership summit. Uh, hundreds of thousands of people involved over the world, and uh, it'll it'll go on our website this week. That we'll have a summit page, and this year it's August 11 and 12. And uh, just to give you an idea, if you if uh, you've never gone or you would like to see, uh, just see the, who are the speakers this week. We're on Thursday from 11:30 to 12:30 with a lunch. We're uh, provided. We're going to do a rollout of of the speakers. Uh, this will be a live simulcast from Willow. And uh, the other benefit with it is I don't know how, how many of you know uh, Henry Cloud, but he's just one of the most probably well known. Uh, Christian psychologist in our country is going to do a session on the leader's family, so that's kind of like an extra benefit. Um, and I mean, he is good, so that in itself is worth uh, worth taking the time over the noon hour and um, and coming. All right. Well, if it if it were possible to have Jacob join me up here on the platform this morning, and the Jacob I'm talking about is the Jacob in this. Series, the main character of, of uh, the sermon series. If we could, if we could do this, if uh, Jacob was up here and I asked him what he struggled with the most in his relationship with God, and and let's say, he, I mean, he was honest in his answer, and he'd say, uh, this is what he'd tell us. He'd say it was letting go of the grip that he had on his life and being willing to put his life in God's. Grasp. He'd say that his natural bet was to want to have control. That was his struggle. And he'd also tell us that God didn't leave him alone with this, that God in his amazing love did exactly what was needed in his life to reshape his character so that this issue of control that needed to change... It was holding him back from experiencing everything God could do in and through him did change. So if Jacob and I were were having this conversation and the the question I'd I'd ask him after he said this, I'd, I'd say, well, Jacob, how did God do this? What happened? And he'd say, remember the dream I had when I left home on my way to Laban's place? that 's the first thing God did with some dream, seeing those angels walking up and down that stairway that stretched from heaven to earth and but the but but the most incredible part was seeing God not only seeing god but but have god speak to me i 've never forgotten those words to hear God promising me the land of Canaan and God promising to bless me, and bless the the world through me, and, and, and God promising to protect and guide me and bring me home. Hearing God say this, Jacob would tell us, help me understand how much God cared for me, and begin releasing that grip I had on my life, and uh, allowing God to be God, and that was just the beginning. God kept on doing this for me the whole time that I lived with Laban. <laughs> Here I was. Fourteen years working for Laban to get Rachel as my wife with really nothing to show for it except the children that I had and, and then I'd, I'd have to stop him at that point because that's our sermon. today. So I'd say, boy, thanks, Jacob. Appreciate you coming back and spending this time with us. That's what I'd like to talk with you today. I'd like us to see how God showed Jacob at a point of great need that he had every reason to release any grip that he still had on his life. This bent of his to control his life. And and, and and allow God to be God, putting his life in God's grasp and trusting God to care for him. I'd like us to see this and, and then see what was true for, for Jacob way back then is equally true for each one of us today. You and I have every reason to put our lives in God's grasp to allow God to be God and trust God to care for us. And if I can add, I'm I'm really, I am really glad that Jacob's story is included in the Bible. Because I, I identify with, with him. And anybody else? I mean, is Jacob like the only one who's got the struggle of trusting God and letting go? And I mean, isn't that just kind of a thing we all deal with at some points in, in our lives? So I'm, I'm so glad that God had Jacob in Scripture because I've got my own struggles and my my own imperfections. And they might not all be the same as Jacob's, but they're every bit as real. And I'm betting that I'm not the only one who would say the same thing. Yeah. So let's see what we got in, in, in Genesis chapter 30. where Where we discover that Jacob's got nothing. Nothing after fourteen years, see, and working for laban and and then i 'd like us to see that out of this nothing, God gives him everything that he ever could have hoped to have, so chapter chapter thirty verse twenty five we read this: after Rachel gave birth to Joseph, Jacob said to Laban, Send me on my way so I can go back to my own homeland, give me my wives." And and children for whom I have served you, and I will be on my way. You know how much I've done for you. Fourteen years Jacob worked to marry Rachel. And let me tell you, those were 14 years of very hard work. You could read about that in, in chapter 31, how hard it was. He has little to nothing, at most, a few sheep. I mean a few, only a few. And he's had it with Laban. He's, he's, he's now 60 years old. He sees no good future with this guy. And so he hands in his resignation. I mean, it's easy to understand, right? Laban hasn't been the world's best father-in-law. I mean, talk about grasping. He's, I think he's as grasping as he, as it gets, and he's selfish and he's deceitful. He's dishonest. My, my dad's dad, he, uh, My grandfather worked his three boys as hard as he could. One of my dad's brothers, who had epilepsy, actually tried to get off the farm. And to understand this, you'd almost have to understand the times back then. It was very difficult times. He actually tried to get off the farm by signing up with the army. And when my grandfather found this out, he let the recruiter know of his son's epilepsy so the army wouldn't take him. He was a Laban kind of a guy. So much so that each one of his sons only referred to him as the old man. I'm guessing Jacob had his own choice words for Laban. So, come what may, he decides it's time to go home, and he hands in his resignation. So, verse 27, the response of Laban. But Laban said to him, if I've found favor in your eyes, please stay. I just love that. If I've found favor in your eyes. Um, I have learned by divination that the Lord has blessed me because of you. He, he added, name your wages, and I will pay them. And again, I, I mean, can you believe this guy? I've, I've learned by divination. You know, like, right. As if he needed to be told that he's gotten rich off of Jacob. And, and, and you think he's suddenly become generous with his offer? Not a chance. He's desperate. He, he, he doesn't have a choice. He knows that if he loses Jacob, he loses his biggest source of income. Remember what I said about him last week? He's always working the angles. Laban, he's got a currency converter for a brain, you know? He cheated Jacob for 14 years, and he really did. Again, read chapter 31 and you'll see it. And all he's doing now is buying time to get whatever more he can get by keeping Jacob around. Now, if I, if I could, I'd leave more space in our Bibles between verse 28 and verse 29, between Laban's offer and Jacob's response, because if I was Jacob, I'd take at least one day to think about it. I mean, wouldn't you? Now, whether or not he did take a day or more to figure out his options, Jacob did respond. And the first thing he does is he presses his point. And so verse 29, Jacob said to him, You know how I've worked for you and how your livestock has fared under my care. The little you had before I came has increased greatly. And the Lord has blessed you wherever I have been. But now, when may I do something for my own household? Um, I think this is good. Jacob 14 years with Laban, and he's not going to let this moment go without pressing into Laban that he's a rich man because of what Jacob's done for him. Better yet, Jacob's saying, you're a rich man, Laban, because of God's promise to bless me and to bless others through me. Again, look at that statement in verse 30. He said, the little you had before I came has increased greatly, and the Lord has blessed you wherever I have been. I think that's the best statement in all of chapter 30. First of all, because it's true. Second, because it shows that Jacob's getting it. He he understands that life in God's grasp is the best life a person can have. It's a, the it's a single best way to experience God's blessing and to be a blessing to others. I'd I, I'd underline this one or I'd write it down. It's a keeper. The little you had before I came has greatly increased, and the Lord has blessed you wherever I have been. Now, look at Laban's response, verse 31, per sentence. He said, well, what should I give you? I think, read between the words, and here's what I think Laban's saying. Enough already. Just tell me what you want. And it's now that Jacob makes his offer. Look at this. Verse 31. Don't give me anything, Jacob replied. But if you do this one thing for me, I will go on tending your flocks and watching over them. Let me go through all of your flocks today and remove from them every speckled or spotted sheep, every dark colored lamb and every spotted or speckled goat, and they will be my wages. And my honesty will uh, testify uh, for me whenever you check on the wages you have paid me. Any goat in my possession that is not speckled or spotted or lamb that is not dark colored will be considered stolen. Agreed, said Laban. Let it be as you've said. And that same day, he, that's Laban, removed all the male goats that were streaked or spotted and all the speckled or spotted female goats, all that had white on them and all the dark-colored lambs, and he placed them in the care of his sons. And then he put a three-day journey between himself and Jacob while Jacob continued to tend the rest of Laban's flocks. You get what just happened here, the deal that Jacob made with Laban? If you do, I think you'll wonder if he's had too many years alone with the sheep. All right? First of all, he says, I'm not not asking for any back pay. What, What we both know you owe me. I think that's pretty amazing in itself. And then he says this. He said, here's what I want to do. From this point on, give me every speckled or spotted or dark-colored lamb that's born along with every spotted or speckled goat that's born. Now, there's two things about Jacob's offer that make this a very good deal for Laban and, again, could make us wonder, man, he's been talking to the sheep too long. And the first is this. Back then, and it's still true today, the dominant color of Bedouin sheep is solid white. And the dominant color of Bedouin goats is dark black, dark brown or black. Dark colored sheep and spotted sheep and goats are in the minority. So what Jacob's asking, what he's asking for uh, uh, He's, he's asking for what's less likely to happen. The second thing is that Jacob goes even beyond this. He tells Laban to remove every speckled and spotted and dark-colored sheep and every speckled and spotted goat from all the sheep and goats that Jacob shepherds for him. So that all that Jacob will have with him as this deal begins is white sheep and dark brown or black goats and it's out of these that he gets any newborn lambs that are dark colored and spotted and any newborn goats that are spotted now do you see how laban's getting a really good deal laban might not have known much about genetics but he knew solid colored animals to almost always give birth to solid colored animals He knew the chances of Jacob getting any newborn lambs and goats that weren't like their parents was very slim. The odds were definitely in Laban's favor. To make sure that nothing went wrong, that the, you know, the spotted ones didn't just kind of wander off and get in with the solid colored ones, Laban put a three day journey between himself and Jacob. Laban and his sons now have all the dark-colored and spotted and speckled sheep and speckled and spotted goats. All Jacob has is white sheep and black and brown goats, and there's no way that he's going to get those anywhere near the sheep and goats that Laban's got. After hearing this offer that Jacob Makes. How could you not want to slap him upside down, you know, in the head and say, "Jacob, what are you doing? What's the deal here?" You know. Laban says his price as we are. He knows the deal's too good to be true when he hears it, and so he seals it as fast as he can, and he separates the sheep and the goats that same day, and he's out of there. So why would Jacob do this? I mean, you know what he was doing. You know, spend 20, uh, 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 the 14 years with the animals like he has, not knowing that solid-colored parents are many more times likely to give birth to solid-colored offspring. So why would he do this? Well, either he does it because of his faith in God, that God was going to bless him in spite of the fact that the cards were not stacked in his favor, He's trusting God to alter the percentages to make happen what almost never happened. Lots of speckled and spotted offspring from solid colored parents. Either it was that way. Or he did this with his own plan to change the odds for the better. And from what comes next, you get the the impression that it's Jacob's plan. But is it? So... Let's see which one it is. But 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 before we do, here's the real deal about about this, everybody. Whichever way it is, what happened is because of God's care for Jacob. It's a God deal all the way through. So look at this, verse verse thirty-seven. Um, read this. It says Jacob, however. Took fresh cut branches from poplar, almond, and plane trees and made white stripes on them by peeling the bark and exposing the white inner wood of the branches. And then he placed the peeled branches in all the watering troughs so that they would be directly in front of, flo- of the flocks when they came to drink. When the flocks were in heat and came to drink, they made it in front of the branches and they bore, and and they bore young that were streaked or speckled or spotted. Jacob set apart the young of the flock by themselves, but made the rest Faced the streaked and dark-colored animals that belonged to Laban, and, and thus he made separate flocks for himself and did not put them with Laban's animals. And whenever the stronger females were in heat, Jacob would place the branches in the troughs in front of the animals so they would mate near the branches. But if the animals were weak, he would not place them there, so the weak animals went to Laban and the strong ones went to Jacob. It's going to be confusing. So, let me tell you what Jacob does. Now, get, you, get this, everybody. He's stuck with a flock of only normal colored animals. Normal being white sheep and monochrome colored goats. Brown or black goats. His challenge is to breed these animals in such a way that he gets black or dark colored and spotted or speckled sheep, and spotted and speckled goats. Kind of like these up here, you know? Cute, right? Goats on the right and lambs on the left, okay? So here's what he does. He takes some branches from three different kinds of trees, and he peels their bark, leaving streaks. I've... I thought about walking out in the woods and finding something I could use to do that today, but it was, the weather just wasn't good enough yesterday, you know? So, uh, and, 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 and so, in other words, what he's doing is he's creating branches that looks like what he wants his animals to look like. He then places these animals by or in the watering troughs, which is where the animals did most of their mating. Now, he did this for one of two reasons. Either he had a plan or he did it as an act of faith in God, trusting God's plan. If it's the first that he had a plan, I got to tell everybody, his plan was based on nothing more than an ancient belief that what an animal sees during conception influences the characteristics of the offspring. In fact, that was an ancient superstition. They even believed it was true about people. Can you imagine that? You know, the wrong time you're looking at a dog. Anyway, all right. Yeah, but so so here's the deal: put a branch with streaks on on it in in front of a sheep or goat when it's mating. And that, that animal will have offspring that looked streaked, spotted and speckled. That's what they believed back then. If it's the second, that he did it as an act of faith, trusting God to provide, then he did this not as, as a physical means to an end of producing speckled and spotted offspring, but as a symbol of his faith in God. What what makes some biblical scholars think that it's the second is what Jacob said to Leah and Rachel in chapter 31, which once you get into chapter 31, it's several years later. Now, chapter 30 ends with this statement in verse 30. Look at this. It says, in this way, the man grew and the man is Jacob, grew exceedingly prosperous and came to own large flocks and maidservants and men servants and camels and donkeys. Now, that doesn't happen in a matter of months. It takes years. And if you go to verse 38 of chapter 31, you find out how many more years it was that Jacob ended up staying with Laban. It was six more years. So he spent a total of 20 years with this guy. Last six years, he got rich. All right? In fact, so rich that that Laban and his sons are now getting more than a little ticked off. They're, they're, they're making plans to, to get rid of Jacob. And Jacob can read the handwriting on the wall, so he starts planning his escape. And the first thing he does... Is make sure that Rachel and Leah are with him in it. And so, what he says in in verses 10 through 13, he says to help them understand what God's been doing, to give them the confidence that they need to know that God's going to protect them. So, chapter 31, look at this, verse 10 through 13. He, right, we read this Jacob speaking to his wives. He said, "In, in, In breeding season, I once had a dream. In which I looked up and saw that the male—I saw that the male goats mating with the flock were streaked, speckled, or spotted. The angel of God said to me in the dream. Remember, dream here. Dream had another dream, right? A few years, quite a few years earlier. The angel of God said to me in the dream, "Jacob," and I answered, "Here I am." And he said, "Look up and see that all the male goats mating with the flock." Are streaks speckled or spotted? For I have seen all that Laban's been doing to you. I am the God of Bethel. Remember that? Bethel, where he had that dream. And he said, were you anointed a pillar? Remember the pillar was that stone that he used as a pillow for his head. And, and where you made a vow to me. Now, remember the vow Jacob made? He said, all you give to me, I'll give back to you a tenth. He said, now leave this land at once and go back to your native land. What's happening here is that God's giving Jacob a picture of the future, of what God will make happen before it happened without all those sheep and goats, so that out of Laban's flock of entirely white sheep and monochrome colored goats, Jacob's going to end up with sheep and goats that are speckled and spotted. Not because of what Jacob did with the branches, but because of God's miraculous intervention, the branches were simply Jacob's way of showing his faith in God. Now, again, either way, whether Jacob did this with the branches as an act of faith, or he did it because he thought it worked. Either way, what you and I know today is that Jacob ended up with a large and healthy flock of speckled and spotted sheep and goats because God made it happen. Now, let's apply this to our lives today. i, I got to tell everybody, just this kind of, personally for myself, it just kind of blew me away as I thought about this. I'd say that Jacob's experience... Is a great one to remember the next time we're at a point of great need in our own lives. You know what I would even suggest doing? I think we probably've all got at least one tree in our yard, right? Some of you living in brand new places, you've got that one standard tree, you know, that's in the front. And others of us have been living in the same place for a long time, we've got a lot of trees. I have a lot of trees because I love trees. Now, here's, here's the deal, everybody. What you might do, when you look out that window, as you look out at those trees and the branches, use them as a reminder that God cares for you and that God is going to protect you and God's going to provide for you. You might even go out and cut down just a little Bit of part of one of those branches and, and bring it into your house and put it in a place where you'll see it every day so that each time you see it, you're not only reminded of God's faithfulness and love, but you're reminded to bring what you're facing to God in prayer. I love the, what Paul wrote and, and he wrote it from experience, Philippians chapter 4. He said, don't, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I don't know about you, but sometimes I think I need to probably just carry that branch right in front of my face, you know, yeah, so I don't forget. Here's another thing this branch can be for us. It could be a symbol of your own faith in God and your commitment to be faithful to God in the midst of hard times and good times that life brings this way to persevere and do what's right and what honors God. Say what you might about Jacob. Jacob did persevere and he did do what's right during those 14 hard years. You, you, you might just write this down in your notes, if you're taking notes, and read it. How, 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 how much integrity this guy had in working for, for Laban. Uh, jot down uh, chapter 31, verses 38 through 42. Don't read them now, but read them when you get home. One more thing. Let's say that Jacob did this thing with the branches because he believed it actually worked. Believe that superstition. You know what? The fun thought with this is that sometimes we do things where we think we're pretty clever. Like, you know, when we really aren't being that clever. It's kind of like, you know, that deal where bring your child to work. And you could have your child with you at work all day, and that little child will come home and say, I helped dad at work today, or I helped mom at work today. Or, you know, when you're doing something around the yard, you're mowing the grass, and they want to mow the grass with you, so you let them walk with you and push them. I mowed the grass today. You know, you know, you know, you know what? Um, it all comes down to God. Right? I mean, ultimately, It all comes down to God guiding us and God protecting us and God providing for us. I mean, it all comes down to God shaping us to what God wants us to be. It's a God deal. It's God working in and through the circumstances of our lives to transform us into the likeness of His Son, Jesus Christ. Here's what Paul wrote about this in Romans chapter 8. I just love connecting Scripture together. The statement, he said... He said, we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. See, God loved Jacob. Loved him. Sometimes I just can't believe the timing of how God works things out for me when I'm Working on a sermon. So, you know, every morning I I read a psalm as part of my personal time in God's Word. And and this week, one of the psalms I read one day, in fact, it was just as I was working on this, it was Psalm 135. And and, and, and it's a beautiful song, a psalm of praise to God. And and in the midst of that psalm, this statement it says, The Lord has chosen Jacob to be his own. That's just wonderful. God loved Jacob, and God wanted Jacob to be like Jesus. And the same is true for you, and the same is true for me. God loves us. We've we've been chosen by God to be his. And God wants us to be like his son, Jesus Christ. (laughs) Thinking of ourselves as branches, Jesus said this about us in the 15th chapter of John's gospel, and I connect that with Romans 8. He said, I'm the true vine, and my father is the gardener, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so that it'll, even, it'll be even more fruitful. The pruning can be the circumstances of our lives. The hard thing that we might be going through right now. God loves us this much. He, he prunes us to help us become like his son, Jesus Christ. I mean, Is God awesome or what? He cares for us this much. You know, Psalm 8 uh, makes a statement, From the lips of children and infants you have ordained praise. And, you know, praise to God is truth about God. So, you might have seen this video, but let's, let's just watch this, okay? It's short. Isn't that great. It's the truth. It's the truth. Let's let's stand and praise God, all right?